It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, April 12th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that uh, was very intrigued by the Flyers End of Season Awards. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with that. Yeah, we're going to get into that that game against Columbus, and then we're going to do a special season recap with Haley Taylor from 97.5 The Fanatic, all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Flyers to keep up to date on Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at lockdownflyers at gmail or comment over on YouTube to get us your mailbag questions. We will be doing a mailbag segment on tomorrow's show. So get those questions in. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, there was a lot going on last night at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, Just so much happening. So Adam Yinning did get the call up. Uh, We we weren't sure about it just because of the phantom schedule and uh, with John Tortorella deciding to not be behind the bench. You know, would that be appropriate? But Rocky Thompson was behind the bench uh, for this game. It was, I don't know if it was the right call to make, uh, just because, again, with a new guy in the lineup, you want to be there just being able to communicate with him. Also, uh, I think Torts was also a little heated about getting questioned about sitting Tony D'Angelo for the rest of the season. Um, it, It was very odd. Yeah, he didn't want to talk about that, and he didn't want to talk about um, why he chose not to have a captain for next year. And these are legitimate questions. Yeah. And I'm sorry, like, what is the point of popping off about it? If you have a reason, then state the reason. Because I got to be honest, fans want to know. And there's yeah. an actual big disconnect between torts and the fans now. There really is. We'll get to that a little bit in our conversation with Haley. She uh, brings that up uh, in, mm-hmm. in a really fun part of the, the conversation. And yeah, I think because I said so, it gets a very parent-toddler kind of relationship yeah. that Torts is building. And um, or like, I'm not going to talk about that. He knows what he's done. I mean, did Tony D'Angelo get put in timeout? I mean, yeah. it's it, that's the only kind of thing I can come up with to describe it as parent-toddler. And like, we are not toddlers. Like, we can take no. a real answer here. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, when it's one or two games, sure. If you don't want to talk about it, fine. But now it's going to go on four or five games. And it's going to end the season that way. 
Yeah, it is uh, such a downer. The uh, end of season awards, uh, as expected, Carter Hart kind of cleaned up because he's been one of the biggest bright spots of the season, Uh, you know, getting the Bobby Clark, the Gene Hart Memorial Award and the Toyota Cup, which is the uh, being in the three stars of the game. Yeah, the points the the most over the season. I have no surprise there. I mean, he deserves that. Uh, and then we had the Barry Ashby Trophy, which is the uh, top defenseman award, went to Ivan Provorov. There was uh, a lot which, of discussion about this. I question it, too. Yeah. The fans reacted, which I don't blame them. That was odd. And, and look, and I get it. Like, even though he hasn't finished strong, you know, probably Cam York for a while was their best defenseman. But he hasn't finished strong. So that that creates that. And Risto's been up and down. Most of them have been up and down. Like, that's the reality. Right. So I'm not sure. This is like one of those questions on a test where I'm not sure if there is a right answer. It's true. It's true. Because my, my gut would have said Risto, but he's more in the most improved category, right. which went to Owen Tippett, which I think is the right choice. And maybe right Risto choice. is like number two. So I don't know. It's very weird. But Justin Braun getting the class guy award for Yannick Dupre. Oh, that's good. That is good. Um, that's good for him. And, you know, he is just one of those veterans that does what he's asked to do. And um, yes. we appreciate that for sure. As far as the game itself, man, it was just weird. And uh, sluggish was the best word I could come up with to describe it on. That's a good word on both sides, uh, especially because it was essentially a Cleveland roster we were facing with a couple yeah. of guys. Like, obviously, Johnny Goudreau was there, but, like, even Boone Jenner was out. Yeah, check was in there. Yeah. So he had some really good plays uh, sprinkled throughout the game. I'll tell you what I was most impressed with. Like, he was involved in that first goal. Like, he had the first pass out mm-hmm. and then eventually turns into the goal. But the the most impressive was – in overtime, he and um, Konechny got, you know, knocked around a little bit. And Konechny was on the ground because Juracek elbowed him to the ground. Yeah, well, he's a big guy. And that's one of the things, you know, and that's one of the things that a guy like Juracek's going to be able to do over time is rub out guys besides scoring 50 points a year. That's why you and I wanted the Flyers to draft him because – even if you're a 30 goal scorer, you can't have the same impact on the game. So anyhow, that's, you know, I tweeted about it again yesterday because I wanted Flyers fans to see what David Juracek could be. And that's, and you only, you were only scratching the surface right now. I'm curious what you thought of Adam Yenning's first game as a flyer. I personally did not like that. He was paired with Braun because they're too similar in style. No, I liked it. I actually liked it. I, I thought the veteran presence with him was a good idea. Yinning was good. Like, he knew when to not take too many chances. Uh, he's probably a better passer than people expect him to be. I didn't really see him getting fouled up very much. There were some other things that definitely took my attention off of him uh, middle of the game, but I was really, you know, um, watching him intently early on, and I liked what I saw. I've always liked him. I mean – We've been giving him good marks yep. on this show when really nobody was talking about him from two years ago when I first started. So it's nice to see that. From what I saw, does that mean I know he could be an NHLer next year? No, I don't know. No, one game doesn't I don't know that yet. make you know, or break a guy. But 
I think right. I, I, I mean, you know a, a, a little bit of an AHL season too. It's not enough, right? And I think that um, you know I thought he played pretty well. I thought he kept it simple, which is exactly what you need to do yeah. in a situation like he this. He's a keep it simple guy, anyhow. Yeah, yeah, and I think that. Um, you know, we've seen, like you said, we've seen his progression over the past couple of years. And um, I think he's on the right path. And I'm excited to see what he looks like yeah. coming into camp next year. Um, and if he can you know, like make a case for himself. But regardless, even if he starts in Lehigh next season for a little bit, I think he'll be closer to the top of the list, especially with a guy like Braun not around anymore. They'll need more like. Oh, yeah. No, he'll he'll be right at the top as far as. Hey, if this guy's good after 20 games, then we know he probably could be called up. Yeah. It'll be like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, can't finish up talking about this game without congratulating JVR on finally getting that 300th career goal. It is a remarkable accomplishment. And, you know, considering oh, really good. the twists and turns of his career for him to get to this point is, is really good. I mean, look, there's always going to be debate because he went behind Patrick Kane in the draft that is he like a second overall pick? And sure, he falls short on that. Like you can't not say that, but he's a good NHL player. Yeah. It's just, they got him on the wrong side of his career for the wrong money. So that does sort of color your decision as to what you see on the ice. And, you know, he's still going to be in this league, but now he's going to get like a two year deal. Yeah. You know, so and he'll become again more of a power play guy. Exactly. So, you know, that's where he is. In this. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we have a lot to talk about to wrap up the season. We we do have one more game, which we're going to get to later in the week, but we're kind of getting a jump start. Wait, the season's not over yet? <laughs> no, we have one more to go. Um, but in the meantime, we are going to get a jump start on. Uh, wrapping up this season and we're going to do that with Haley Taylor from 97.5 The Fanatic coming up next. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets, over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. My favorite part of Game Time app is that it's great for getting notified about last-minute tickets and flash deals. Plus, you can get views from your seats. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find the tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Also, tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you'll never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress of game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeemed code locked on nhl for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right as we said at the top of the show we are thrilled to welcome Haley taylor from 97.5 the fanatic to talk end of season flyers how you doing Haley? feeling good the season's almost done so i'm happy excited for that but thanks for having me on. Thanks for putting in the time. You've earned it. All of you. 
So I think this season has been really interesting with a lot of, you know, ups, ups and downs and with the changeover in management and, and everything that has gone down in the injuries. How do you even approach evaluating this season? Well, we didn't have multiple 10 game losing streaks, so that is a positive. But when evaluating the season, it's difficult, just like last season was. There's not a lot of positive, and you can make the argument that maybe a Tyson Forrester is a positive and something to look forward to. But overall, I think this season was actually more unsuccessful than last season with how the fans just all fizzled out. And I've never seen the Wells Fargo Center so empty and full of opposing teams' fans. And this is something that's never happened in the history of Flyers hockey. So I have to tell you, this season was much more of a train wreck. Yeah, I I agree with you. I have been covering this team exclusively probably for like eh, 15 or more years. It's probably closer to 20. Uh, and I cover other stuff, but I'm there all the time, right? And when I heard in a regular season game with about less than a minute to go, the Bruins fans cheering, we want the cup, and it was really loud, I was like, wow, this is the first time I've ever heard this from any team in any other opposing location. Apparently, someone told me they heard it once before somewhere, but I know it's never happened in Philly, and I know that's never happened in New York where I've gone to a lot of games too. And I was just like taken aback by that. I was like, you know, I get that there were going to be a lot of fans for that game because it was going to be the 63rd win. We all knew that was coming. We all knew David Pasternak would get a hat trick. Like that was all, all that was obvious to us, but that part was not so obvious. And that's part of the problem with this uh, hockey team right now is that, you know, I was sitting there with my dad last night watching the game. I ended up going to my parents' house and he said to me that he's never felt so disappointed watching the Philadelphia Flyers. And from a fan's perspective, it does draw concern because why would you want to spend your money going to see a failing team, which isn't a good atmosphere to be in? Um the Flyers fans were once again outratioed by the opposing team's fans. So now I'll follow up with a question since that was a statement, but I need you to answer it. Um, okay. So now the question is, you know, the coach is looking at this like, hey, we know it's painful. And, you know, last press conference, he's like, but we're, you know, they are getting somewhere. But it still feels like the organization and especially the coach is disconnected from the fans. He acts like he is sort of connected and he knows what's going on. I don't think they really know what's going on with the fan base and how they really feel. Yeah, no, that is true. I mean, Torts has been so disconnected. And, you know, as the pressures have gone on this season, he's just been giving more short answers. He doesn't really give anything in depth. And I think from his perspective, he's a coach that's used to more success. Um, he's used to... But, I mean, no one's going to be used to this crowd and what's going on. And for him, I mean, I bet he's frustrated because maybe he feels like he's failing. But nobody, and I don't want to say nobody because I want to believe that some of the newer management will take the time to understand how the fans feel. Yeah. But so far, it's like they don't matter. And, you know, we're going to comp your tickets for the last couple months of the season. But then look what they're doing. It's the same old and... uh I mean, who wouldn't want to be disconnected right now within the Flyers organization? Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, trying to evaluate John Tortorella's season as coach of this team is also pretty difficult because there is the public facing accessibility, openness, you know, 
does he understand what's happening on on the business side of things you know aspect to coaching which is his least favorite thing to talk about right and yep. he just like doesn't want any part of it and they, you know he'll say it's not his job but it is part of his job but then you know there's also the on ice product which you know there's been some good things about it there were some improvements that have sort of tailed off a little bit towards the end of the season um so like how do you grade his coaching era so far and you know where do you think he can take it moving forward that's a tough one coaching wise I think he's improved on how he treats the players now we only see a small side of that we don't know what goes on when the doors are closed and a lot of players this season uh, you have your Tony D'Angelo you have your Faraby they've come out and say that they don't like him and uh that's a concern because you want the players to not just like the coach but to respect the coach and there's none of that going on. But in terms of being more proactive and making some adjustments and giving the younger guys a chance, he's really gave a lot of credit to a lot of the younger guys. I would say maybe a C minus. Okay. I think, yeah. I mean, from what we've seen, he doesn't say much. So it's hard to judge that. But he does give the younger guys some opportunities. And I feel like that was something missing in the past with AV. Okay, that's fair. So now we get to interim GM Danny Bria. Mm -hmm. It's probably been hard at the beginning for fans to kind of separate, hey, we really like this guy as a player, but now he's in management and now he's taken over a tough job and he has to help hire a, you know, a director of hockey ops, which again, may, may or may not include Billy King. And if it does, I think that's crazy because um, Billy King I watched what he did with the Sixers, and he had a great coach and a Hall of Fame player. I'm not sure he did great things for them. But and at any rate, he's part of this group that's going to help find that, fill that position. So all of that, what is your feeling as far as have you seen anything or believe that you've seen some change with Danny Breer in there? I like Danny um, as a person from talking to him. But I don't think that he is the change that the Flyers need. I think the change that the Flyers need, and I was saying this to Russ actually in the press box, they need somebody that knows the business side of things, that is specifically going in there business-wise. They need somebody that's going to be able to lay down the law and doesn't care if the fans like it or hate what they're doing, but they have that strategy. Danny Breer, what he brings, though, is less hate towards the Flyers. And what I mean by that is ever since Danny became, you know, the interim GM, I haven't seen as much backlash with the Philadelphia Flyers because immediately people would say, you know, fire Fletcher. And that was the immediate response. Right. I think Danny's kind of like that calming ground where no one's going to publicly ridicule Danny Breer, but at the same time, it's not the fix for everything. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. And you know, the, like the word is in the title, it's general manager, and you have to be able to manage things and people and juggle a, a lot of balls in the air all at once. And, uh, you know, be able to negotiate, there's so many business skills involved in being the GM of a team and being the president of the team. And I don't know that he's there yet on that side of things. And I think that's really the issue that I feel like the hockey side of it, like if he just had a few more years under his belt, this, 
you know, it could be a, a good time mm-hmm. for him, but I, I do hope they do a, a more comprehensive search for both roles. And, and I love having him as part of the organization. I just don't know that being in charge is the right thing right now. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's very accurate. So, you know, given all of that and the fact that he is the interim GM, is there like a big gripe or most obvious change that they have not made yet? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if there's any change that they would be able to make this late in the season. It's hard to evaluate. If this change happened before the trade deadline, I would say a million and one things. But because right now we're nearing only a couple games left of the season, and even when he went in, I don't think there was much that he would have done. And I think Danny Breer filling in at this moment is just to calm the storm. You know, Fletcher was just such a hot topic, and now it's going to die down a little bit. But I think one thing that I've noticed about the Flyers, it's just they've been quiet. We haven't heard much about them, and it's just felt like they're all trying to keep their heads down and getting through the end of the season. So I'll add on to this question because it was a good question. A lot of teams are are signing college-free agents who get a game or two with the team. Uh, it gets pretty exciting for fans knowing that, hey, there's another player here for the future. The Flyers signed one for AHL only. Uh, haven't signed anybody else yet. Don't you think that would be a good thing to do, or you think they're afraid to because Torts won't play them? And I think that's part of this dynamic. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So Toronto, they did that the other night. And I even commented on a Chris uh, Johnson's tweet. And I was like, this is so cool watching this live. Of course, Tortorella wouldn't play him. There is no way if the Flyers signed a college aged guy that John Tortorella would say, oh, I'm going to put this product on the ice. There's no way possible. And that's the thing. It's that this, it's just this mindset Mm -hmm of John Tortorella, and it's held back the team quite a bit. Even pulling Carter Hart the other night, it's all of these things that he's doing, um, healthy scratching, TDA. It's just he does things his own way, and I don't know if he would even listen if Danny Breyer told him to play a certain guy. I don't think that he would listen. All right, we'll have more with Haley Taylor coming up next. Okay, this is even a bigger question. So you're, you're stranded on a desert island. There's three foods that you could choose from. You only get to eat one for the rest of your life. I know where this is going. It's Swedish fish, uh, Sour Patch Kids, or hot tamales. <laughs> okay, well, I oh, man. Okay, I will say Sour Patch Kids because that would have sugar in it, like even more sugar, so I feel like I would be able to live. The hot tamale almost killed me, and so did the... <laughs> I, I don't know if I had Swedish fish, but something else I almost choked on. Hot tamales, dangerous food. Well, if I had you didn't no want idea to live on the that. desert island anymore, you could have the hot tamales and that would that would be that. Like, that would take care of that. Right. But if I was on a desert island, I feel like if I were to have a hot tamale, it would end it all. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. That is an option. <laughs> so if I wanted to go back, yes. I'm, I'm just saying, tamale. like, I don't know what her mindset would be on the desert island. That's up to her. But I thought of it, too. So I was kind of on the same page. Yeah, now the hot tamale, dangerous food. Uh, the worst. I, I am, I am definitely. Good. I don't know what you guys are talking about. They're good. They're terrible. They're so terrible. I Embrace love Sour Patch Kids. So I am, I am with oh, the Sour Patch Kids. 
he pulls out a box of hot tamales in the prison <clears> box and said, hey, have you had one? And I was like, no, but I'll try one. I put no. two in my mouth. No. No. I profusely sweating. <clears throat> I then I stuck my tongue in my Diet Coke. It was awful. It was a bad sighting. So then he brings Sour Patch Kids the next game. And then I choke on that. <laughs> she did. She choked. <laughs> so basically what I'm going at is any candy that Russ brings into the press box is very suspect. dangerous. Immediately it's suspect. Yeah. It's entertaining though for everybody. This is actually, uh, I'm going to do a pretty decent segue here to back to the Flyers. But <laughs> okay. speaking of risk taking, what kind of rebuild do you want to see? Something that's a little slower and more conservative? Or do you want to see the team take some chances with prospects or draft picks or college signings? Blow it up. I want the risk. I want those younger guys. And I know Russ is big into prospects. And that's something that we're going to talk about. But I say get those younger guys, get that talent, because that is something that the Philadelphia Flyers have missed out on so many times, years after years. They take the easy option and it ends up not working. They get injured, aka Nolan Patrick. So what the Philadelphia Flyers need to do is to be risky, and that's what's held them back. Mm -hmm. I don't care who they have to trade. Trade Kevin Hayes. Trade a prover up, even though that won't happen. But make those trades and rebuild the entire team. The slow process, they attempted to basically say that's what they did this season and that didn't work out. Um, Ryan Ellis has still yet to play. So it's one of those things where this offseason, I'm expecting so much. And this is the moment. If Danny Breer, because he also said um, on 97.5 a couple weeks ago that he would be in charge of the draft. If they don't draft well and they don't, have a good off season that's on him because he knows up front what this team needs to do and if we see the same product on the ice next season you know three strikes you're out so yeah I will, i'll add this being a, a draft guy and a long time draft guy um i do believe you're right in the sense that with the flyers first round picks they've gone way too safe and want guys that they believe will get to the nhl and that's great it's great for um guys to keep their jobs, but it's not great to find super high-end talent. And the only way you find super high-end talent is in the first round of drafts, unless you do an exceptional job and you find one in the second or third. It happens, but it's not very often, right? So right. I'm with you. You can't go safe. You have to go with high ceiling, but also have faith in your development because their development has failed them uh, the last few years, two, three years, and that's really hurt them too. So you're right. I mean, you're you're spot on with that. I think that's uh, very accurate. With regards to um, players, who do you think the most improved player is? Well, I think you know who I'm going to say. It's got to be Morgan Frost. And that's actually after you pointed out to me how he's been so successful with face-offs and even the points that he's accumulating. Another player, though, that um, would have to be Mr. Cates mm -hmm. because he – He's done something this season that I did not expect out of him. And then obviously, you know, Trav's connecting got back on how he was. But I think that we've seen some improvement with some of the guys, but those would be my core. I like it. So would that be kind of like your untouchables for this in terms of blowing up the team? Or do you have any? No, um, I'm fine with anybody going. Obviously, I would like to keep it connect me. I would like to keep a Carter heart. But at this point, 
if they can make an amazing trade out of Connect Me and uh, they don't mess it up, then I'm fine with that. There's nobody on this team that I would be upset losing at this point. See, but you already Which, said, you already put in the caveat, if they don't mess it up. And that's the thing is, consumer right. confidence in this team is very low. Maybe the lowest I've ever seen. Right. Because I could see them very well. I'm trying to think of like a random team, like the Florida Panthers. I don't know why that's what came to my mind. They trade connect me to them for like a second round pick. Now, I know that won't happen, but if that did happen, I wouldn't be surprised. And that's the problem is that there's no confidence within this team to make competent decisions. And I'm setting the bar very low. I know that's something that wouldn't happen, but um, if they're able to get somebody good out of it and then a draft pick, why not? But right now, if you're not going to get anybody good, don't trade them. I mean, one last thing going with this. Are they dead last in the city, even behind the union at this point? No. Okay. Um, I had to think about that. The only reason why I say no is because it's nothing against the union, but there are, it's hard to like put this because I don't want to put the union down. They're a very good team, but there's still that core group of people that love hockey and mm -hmm. have the passion for the Philadelphia Flyers. And the reason why they're not, you know, dead last is because of the history of the Flyers. The Flyers have history. They have the Broad Street Bullies and they have, you know, all those years of success. So the union don't have that right now. They don't have a long, you know, slate of history. So that's what separates the two. But let's go talk in 10 years and the Flyers still haven't made any improvement. And then, yeah, I could see the union and uh, maybe even the Wings. Oh, no, not the Wings. Uh, not no. the Wings. They had more attendance to their emo night than the Flyers did for whoever they were playing that week. Wow. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. I think as far as the uni go, and I'm I'm a soccer person. It's my second favorite sport you know, behind hockey. So uh, I and I'm so thrilled for the unions last season. But I think that the the highs are higher with the Flyers and the lows are lower with the Flyers. That the union kind of sit in the more comfortable middle here. That like the disappointment isn't going to bring them as low as as yeah. Flyers fans. But, you know, I, I think that if the Flyers were to, you know, make a strong playoff run, I think the high would be would be a bigger deal than what the union are right, right now. Oh, 100 um, percent. Even during bubble hockey, when the Flyers were in the playoffs, uh, the last time they were in the playoffs, actually, um, you know, it was such an ecstatic feeling because it was during lockdown, but everybody on like social media was holding up their anytime, anywhere posters. And, you know, the city kind of had that feel again. But with the union, you know, they're such a good team that you just expect them to be good and making it to uh, the MLS finals and losing in the way that they did, which shootouts should never be a way to end a game. Um, sure, people were upset, but it wasn't anything like I've seen. Like you would just think it's a normal night in Philadelphia. So, uh, but again, if they just continue being successful, who's to say that they won't, you know, draw in a bigger crowd in Philadelphia? Right. You hit on something though. And, and this is something that I've thought about. I'm not sure I've conveyed it in the bubble. That was maybe the worst thing that could happen to this franchise because the bubble was a weird anomaly. You saw even a team like the Islanders who weren't hot getting into the bubble, got to make it into the playoffs they selected teams to make the playoffs. Now, the Flyers did get hot for that moment and, and did well in the bubble. But after the bubble, they've not been the same team. 
And you yeah. can't blame it all on Matt Niskanen. It's not all on Matt Niskanen. I mean, I miss Niski. Sure. And I would do anything to have him back because him paired up with Pervy was some of the best defense I've seen Ivan play. Yeah. But the bubble, and I was actually saying this last night, that even like all the divisions were just so wonky. We had the, the Canadian right. And I think bubble hockey and some of the guys I've even asked, you know, Wade Allison, just one-on-one about it, about like what he would think, you know. And he was like, yeah, well, I mean, he didn't play, but he was still saying that, you know, oh, well, when you're just focusing on hockey, there was no other distractions. And that's the thing. This is real life. This is the NHL. There's travel involved and there's all these other factors. And towards, he said something after one of their road trips and he was like, oh, you know, the first game back is like a scheduled loss. And that's the mentality that Philadelphia has right now. And in the bubble, all you could think about was winning. Play so you win. Play so being away from your family means something. Mm-hmm. Here, it's like, no, nah, if you lose, you still got to go home. And uh, the bubble, it did spark some hope. But I, again, the, you brought up the Islanders. I, I still can't believe it. That's how they went out. <laughs> but it's unbelievable. But the bubble hockey, it was weird. But I think that it was an opportunity for these guys to actually focus on the game. And maybe they lose some, you know, sight of that out here. I don't want to say that they're lazy, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, when all you're doing is, you know, hockey training interviews, hockey training interviews, you're going to be playing some pretty good hockey. Well, we want to try and end these uh, end of season recaps on on a higher note. So give me a positive thought on the way out for the Flyers and let people know where they can find you. My positive note is that the season is almost over. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's all I got. Um, and hot tamales are maybe not as bad as people think they are. But uh, you can find me on my social media, which is just Haley T. Simon. That is the same for Instagram and Twitter. And I have a link with all my articles and all the stuff I do. So I make it nice and easy. Awesome. Thank you so much right. for joining us. Thank you for having me. Once again, thanks to Haley Taylor for joining us. That was a lot of fun. And uh, she is definitely direct with her thoughts on the team. And I appreciate that. No, she's she's funny. And the candy conversation was was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Still don't like those hot tamales, Russ. I know. All right. right. We will be back again tomorrow, of course, uh, with the latest Flyers news. We're going to preview that last game against Chicago, and we're going to dig into Ethan DeHaan from Quinnipiac, the national champion Quinnipiac team, and he is a free agent available. Plus, we'll get to your mailbag questions. Uh, you can send us those questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at Miriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen today. Now make your next listen game to game NHL. It's every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. It's on the Locked On NHL feed anywhere you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.